if I imagine the absolute worst that can happen, and if I can get through it in my head, even though it has never happened, but I imagine the worst, so I, I test myself if I can get through it, right? But in doing so, I'm creating the very thing that I don't want in my life. So I've really had to be quite, you know, when I find my head going down, I'll just, because I don't want to be surprised. I want to be prepared. I want to be able to cope. Like prepare for the worst. The worst. I prepare for the worst. So when I catch myself doing that, I go, oh, there you go. You're doing that thing again. What's the most magical thing that could happen? Like what would be in your world of dreams? What would you like to see happen? And then I focus on that. So it's like withdraw from what you don't want, focus on what you do want. I, I, there was a lovely way I heard it described last week. It was about focus on what you want, not when you want it or how you want it. Exactly. Because that ain't, you ain't in control of exactly. that. Exactly. Just That's keep so focusing perfect. on what Thank you want. Thank you. I needed to I hear that today. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. Oh, that'd be sore in people's ears. Yeah. It's a, okay, I'm sorry. People cancel out. Yeah, maybe go again. <laughs> okay, three, We need two, to soothe one. them in. Hello and welcome to Happy Bear Podcast. Why are we whispering? People might think the sound levels are off. Because last time I was shouting, it was too much and you gave out to me, so I'm cutting you anyway. (laughs) Hello and welcome to Happy Bear Podcast featuring David, Kevin, Michael, Flynn. I say that all the time. Okay, I'll just be Dave. Steve. Sarah. Hi, how are you? Hope you're well. Uh, It's lovely to have you here, whether you're in your car, you're going for a walk, it's on loud. It's really nice to be here with you. Or whether you like us, I'm looking at Dave and Steve with no clothes on. Yeah, just to give you a bit of context. No, we are. (laughs) Just to give a bit of context, we're sitting here. It's 26 degrees. It is a massive heat wave here in Ireland. My phone says it's 28. 28. Good God. We're all sipping ice water here. We're pretty much as close to naked as we can be. We're (laughs) melting, folks. We're melting away in the heat. But it's a great day. It's it a great sure, day. Sure, it's a mighty day. But anyway, I was only thinking, it's great to have you here. Really is. We're delighted <laughs> to have you. Genuinely, you could pick loads of things to press and we're really chuffed. So thanks, Emil. We hope you get loads of value from this. Oh, that was a lovely thought you had there. Well, thanks, Emil, Sarah. We're in the middle of, uh, other than the heat wave, we're in the middle of uh, wedding season. No, you are in the middle of wedding season. Well, Why actually, not? Stephen Flynn's going to a wedding next week. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to one in Poland, dear friends, Robin Gosha. Oh, When's the last wedding? You went to a wedding recently, no? Um, I Your went to wedding. my own one. No, you went to Danny's as well. Oh, I went to Danny's. Oh, yeah, that was cool. Danny. Yeah, that was really nice. But a uh, quick one. What are your thoughts on weddings and the whole concept? Ooh. I know you got married, so obviously you love your wife, yeah, yeah. But like the actual ceremonies. I think there's a lot themselves. of social pressure about being invited to like, and then having to invite everyone. And then there's a bit of the uh, social show and... Should I go? There was beauty in like we got married in Poland. That's myself, not my, me and David. Uh, <laughs> you, and me, you and who? Me and my wife, my the wife. wonderful Justina, previously Shiddish, now Flynn. Uh, we got married in Poland, so it was great. And that you only really, you know, most people didn't travel. Only the people who really cared traveled. Yeah. So it was like your close family and friends. And, and it meant then people who didn't have to feel that pressure of should I should. Oh, you and know, and like, we were in it like because it was in Poland with like I think we we spent like maybe it was three or four grand we were able to rent like yeah. an old palace like palace uh, so it was like a big old palace but it was kind of run down but it had it, we, it could sleep 30 people so we, we literally rented it for the week we bought all the food and because me and Dave and a lot of the friend, our friends are chefs and love to cook we cooked all the food for the week so it was like it was such crack so people literally came they'd accommodation they'd food and they'd booze for a week so it was like it was such a party because it's, it's funny now I think COVID might have changed it a bit but like a traditional Irish wedding is like 200 plus people oh in God. some fancy place and they're socially and, awkward it's an awkward day and I think the average is like 30 20-30 grand for the day like I always think 
imagine you woke up that morning it's your wedding and you had the shits or you had you know what I mean and this day you've spent like 30 grand on you've got 250 people coming like and you you, you there have diarrhea and you feel like shit what do you do then I the thing which I notice is that you kind of hear a lot of people they say geez by the time it came to the day I just wanted it to be over because yeah. there's, there's so much pressure and so much stress by the time it actually comes around so um, I don't know. I like. I think I. I really do admire the whole ceremony of committing to someone and the whole ritual around it. I think there's such beauty to be had with it. I really do. And does. people witnessing the. I, I think yeah. there really is. There can be such a beautiful ceremony and a rite of passage within it. Um, sometimes it can be a lot of pressure, and there can be kind of issues around inviting people and all those type of things just politics around your great aunt and you have to bring your right aunt yeah. and then all this type of thing so it can be challenging Mickey so I really invited me to the wedding so I better invite Mickey back even though yeah, I'm not friends with Mickey yeah. but all, all that kind of stuff so I, I don't know but I also like do you want to go to a wedding where you don't know the couple that well because sitting and listening to speeches in that context I'm just kind of like I've no idea what you're talking about you'd know like, way better than us you go to like we've managed to yeah, we avoid a lot of weddings you you get you're like oh. every other weekend you're at a wedding so you're too is, popular Sarah Fossil yeah, well, I, no but I'm not age as well I am nine years younger than you both but it's <laughs> you're like, so young Sarah Fossil I like it now I've gotten to a point God sorry friends if any of you actually do listen to this <laughs> then they're your real friends if they actually <laughs> do like, listen listening to some of the speeches I'm like it just feels like you google searched what's, oh. what should I tell my, my to be husband and oh. I love you you're special you mean everything you know what I mean they just feel so generic after a while yeah, that yeah, I'm I, I don't know Ooh. I really like your wedding in there now yeah I love like I love a wedding when everyone has a job yeah. so everyone's bringing a little bit of like I always think like love in action is something beautiful and I think in your wedding we all have jobs who's your in Sarah's wedding or my wedding? In your wedding, your wedding. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sarah's not married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Sarah's not married. Sarah's just pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Dave's wedding, we all had jobs. So Mark was like the master of ceremony. He was the priest. He was the DJ. Even though he's not a and, priest, and he, he was, was just like the celebrant. The celebrant. Uh, I was the pizza chef. Shawnee was the pizza chef. Um, level two. Level two. Yeah, landscaping. <laughs> everyone had a job. Some people, mom was on flowers. Like everyone had a little job. made desserts. Yeah, was, Nanny made desserts. It was just such she fun. made the bouquet. And it was a real makeshift one. It was in your garden. So everyone kind of mucked in and the community came together. I told everyone where the fire exits were. Oh, it was such a crack. <laughs> oh, yeah, she were. I painted the arch. You did the, the sacred arch. And, and you, kind of, you kind of ran the day. You were like the wedding planner. Production. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and Harold fun. was the chauffeur. Oh yeah, to bring us for the photos. Oh, yeah, yeah oh, it was God, actually class. The topless chauffeur. <laughs> so handsome, hot. handsome. There's some really cool photos of me and Sab looking all like super weddingy on one side on Bray Head, and then over the other side, there's Harold with his top off looking at his phone. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> it's this wide photo, and it just looks so good because like here's the kind of quintessential wedding couple overlooking like the beautiful sea and whatever. And how contrived and then, it is. Just over the ditch <laughs> to the right, there's Harold with his top off looking at his phone, scratching his arse. It looks. <laughs> Class, really sums does. up Harold in a nutshell no, but it was top deadly. off on the phone <laughs> <laughs> it was dead anyway, anyway so I'm, this podcast is uh, with our lovely with the wonderful who, who, and it's in person so right this now. podcast was in person this is with the wonderful Elle McPherson we grew up Elle was on the telly and she was a supermodel and she was someone who you know publicly everyone knew about her like we she knew about her she was one of the original supermodels one of the original she? supermodels and I guess we recently met her a couple of weeks ago at Lon- in London at an event and hit it off straight away it was like geez you're from you're a total kindred spirit um ended up you know exchanging numbers and getting back texting back and forth and she was totally she she was totally up for coming to visit yeah, and see what's she, going on she transformed her life didn't she she's vegan now and yeah really kind of she's really over the last kind of um 
last kind of 15 years she's really embraced health and all the various facets of it and is really into community and farming and regenerative farming and all sorts of things so she was super interested in what we were doing and um is she married she was married she she's was got married two boys. she's got two boys yeah two boys which are men now really and uh <laughs> and we really had a wonderful conversation because she's she's reached the absolute highs of life being a pedestal being, being a, a supermodel being on a pedestal be, oh, sorry okay <laughs> thank you steve being on a pedestal for many years and revered by society for her beauty for her and then and then the other extreme suffering with addiction and you know the challenges of that and recovery and um i think divorce and those type of things like she she was coined the body at one point yeah. imagine being so just revered for your physique yeah. that you're literally called the body. Like, how do you move? Well, on she tells the story she's amazing that. how she she tells the story how she kind of turned it for her own good, and she's yeah. amazing. She but really, really, really I, I can honestly say, such an inspiring woman. I got so much out of this, and to spend a couple of days with her was so we connected so well, and it was just such a wonderful, inspiring. And in terms of this conversation, like I thought some of the bits that really stood out for me was that the, the, the idea of manifesting can often seem very woo woo. And down to, I had a nice practical example that she kind of gave was really good. It was, but it was, it was into conscious practical. creation. We discovered that we just, or we discussed that we discussed many other aspects. Um, so yeah, I really hope you enjoy it. So yeah. ladies and gentlemen, Great. without further ado, we give you the wonderful, our dear friend, Al McPherson. Al, what a pleasure. <laughs> it's such a dream to be here, guys. Really? Likewise. Yeah. How about that swim this morning? Ah. Uh, well, I, it's just lovely. We do it every day. So I guess it'd be interesting to see it through your eyes. How did you enjoy it? It was just magical. I'm First of all, I'm a morning person anyway. So getting up at sunrise, creeping out like quarter to five in the morning with your, you know, togs to go for a swim, cold water, watch the sunrise with a group of enlightened, loving beings, and then going over to the sauna and then going back in the cold water and sauna and cold water and finish with cold water. It's amazing. Yeah, we had a pretty what nice a great, morning. And such a brilliant community around you guys. Yeah, so that, really I think that was the part that made me, I just I haven't had a smile. My cheeks hurt. <laughs> and it's only nine o'clock or 10 o'clock. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I, get, I think that hot to cold, hot to cold, it's like mm. strips the fight out of you. We were saying mm. in the car by then. It's almost like you feel more clean, at clear. ease, more at ease. Yeah, I think it gets, I mean, I think maybe it, it just sort of, um, the adrenaline, the adrenaline kind of bursts like that. I do a lot of hot and cold plunge anyway. I have an mm. infrared sauna at home and I have a plunge pool. So I do that two or three times a day. I do the plunge a couple of times a day. Wow, and good, the sauna at the end of the day. So you've got this muscle flexed. No, that's it's well, you live easy Miami. when you get to <laughs> pass the mid-century part. It gets a little harder. I live in Miami. I, I lived in London for 18 years and then I moved to Miami. Yeah, Miami. Mm. Miami, Miami, your Miami. Yeah, Miami. I went to Miami ages ago. But anyway, that's a different story. Mm. Um, I was going to say, okay, even on that topic, you said as you pass the mid-century, you you, you're less likely for cold and hot or whatever. Like, mm. what are your thoughts on discomfort and embracing discomfort and, you know, the need to this in terms of growth and in terms of all these things? Now I'm gone pretty out there. Yeah, like, wow, let's start at the top. Well, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so well we could start at the top of you. I like it. No, deep, deep. That's the way I like it. So I think that uh, I feel what I feel that I personally have had a history of learning through loss, right? I've I personally have had a history of learning through pain. Um, I don't recommend it. And so for the next part of my life, I've decided that I want to learn through love, right? Kind of lean into the experiences that really resonate with my soul, that inspire me, that excite me. Um, I think depersonalizing pain to some extent is really valid, like not taking it personally, 
in the sense it's that hard to do it's something that it's like really we all hear and it's like it makes so much sense logically and then when you, you feel pain or hard done by it, it's like it's my pain i feel so you know yeah it's, we, it's something we, that we get all attached to with. it yeah. because we've been led to believe that that's how you know that's more valuable pain is more valuable um you know look no pain no gain that's what mm. they tell us and that's not necessarily true um so I tend to lean into all, I don't judge good, bad, pain, not pain. Um, I sort of lean into whatever the experience is that I'm having. I embrace it and then I let it go. And that can also be for joy. You know, like the constant need to hang on to joy can mm. be really, can be really um, detrimental, you know, to, to one's being because when you have experiences and they don't match up to the joy that you think you're supposed to be having because you've had it all this time and I have to create more joy is it's like this kind of roller coaster of expectation that is never really fulfilled and leads to what do they say expectation is the mother of resentment or something the like killer. that something that's something bad yeah. expectation <laughs> expectation something not profound that i'm not like <laughs> yeah, yeah. i don't know i can't think i can't think of the enlightenment like i think what you're ultimately saying is kind of like accepting life as it is as opposed to judging it whether that was good or that was bad or mm. what, what box they put down it's just like life exactly. just happens well life on life's but, term is what they say in aa I believe that we are the ultimate manifestors, that we create every experience in our life. We are the ultimate. That's what we're but born what to do. But what was it again they say in AA again? In AA. Live life on life's terms. So that's about depersonalizing yeah, it. And it's like. Not putting your own judgment on it, your own filter on it, that it's, oh, poor me, life did this. It's like, that just happened, get on with it. I imagine it's yeah. that kind of. Is that what it means? So yeah, I'm, well, I'm, I mean, I think it's just dealing with what is, right? Not yeah. what you wish it was going to be, what you hoped it was going to be, what you thought it was going to be, but just, okay, this is what it is. And let's be in the moment of what you are experiencing and don't judge it. Just be in it and then, you know, it's only a moment and it's another moment, there's another moment. But I do believe that we are the ultimate creators. And I always say to people, if you don't like your life, you know, you created it, so create something different. And in AA they also say that, you know, if you, you can stop the cycle of addiction through getting sober. So if you've got a, and I've, I'm 19 years sober, so that's why this has taken a little bit of a mm. kind of spin on that for this moment. I don't usually talk about it, but for some reason it's, Nineteen years at Goodell. That's nineteen years. And, and what, what did you go to? It was, it was alcohol. I'm guessing. AA. Um, oh, you name it. And mm. I still, you know, I still have to. I still have my preferred ways of getting outside myself. Um, Which is hot and cold saunas and ex pushing wellness yeah, routines to their experience. It is. And, before, and before that, it could have been love. It could have been work. You know, um, perfectionism. Yeah. Where I kind of lean into any experience that alienates me or takes me away from God or from my inner sense or my inner knowing. Um, so balance. Me. So it's almost like balance for you is in the extremities rather than in the middle. You're well, all in. You're not one foot in. Well, I've learned through extremes. So polarity. And I've done it all. I've done bells on. I've done, <laughs> you know, y y nunnery and sex, drugs and rock and roll. So I've done them both, but, but what I'm realizing is that my greatest power where I get the most acceleration of healing and growth is through balance. So I'm bringing those pendulum swings of all or nothing into alignment and sitting quite powerfully in that balance between all the extremes that I've experimented with. 
Mm. Yeah, because yeah. you really have got to see, as you said, like the, the highs and lows and the most, Everything. like what society kind of like celebrates as like sex, drugs and rock and roll and celebrity and oh my God, I made yeah. it. To like, you know, addiction, like the other aspect where you're really, there's torture in there, there's yeah. imbalance, there's hardship, there's, as you said, learning through loss. Like I think it's, you've seen yeah. both aspects of the spectrum and, and I, as so, I imagine there's a real wealth of experience and yeah. richness that you're kind of, you're, you're pulling from. Yeah, I've learned through experience. See, life is experiential as far as I'm concerned. Everybody has their own perspective on it, but I feel that we learn through the experience. So, you know, you give it a go. That's a real Aussie, Aussie kind of trait that I'm so grateful that I it's have. It's a beauty though. It's just, like, let, let's, let's see what happens. Let's just try. Try it. Give it a go, mate. And then yeah. you give it a go and if it works, it's like, ah, oh, no, that didn't actually work out the way I thought. Let me try something else. And it's that sort of trial and error, but it stems from listening to your inner sense. So you get quiet, you get a sensation of, yeah, I actually kind of like to do that. Like I want to, I want to give that one a go. So you go and, you know, you give it a go. And if it, and how did that even play? Cause like you, like when I, when I was listening to stuff that like you, thought you wanted to be a school teacher and a lawyer and you had this idea in your head and then yeah. you kind of started modeling yeah. kind of like just because you were tall and you were like I needed to money fit and needed money <laughs> and then obviously you kind of like one thing led to another it's like oh mm. well, I'll give this a go yeah and, so I I grew up I wanted to be a school teacher I'm seven generations Australian so we came over on the first fleet probably my the very first school in Australia was set up by my seven generations ago grandfather Wow. And so in my, in my kind of family history was, it was a good thing to be a school teacher. And plus I was quite bossy growing up. So first born, <laughs> first And you Aries. were tall, so you kind of looked down <laughs> on people nicely. It was like, okay, we will do it this way. You know, the tooth puller and the pimple popper. That was me at school. And then I, um, then I, my mother married a young law student because he really was a student. He was just sort of going through law school as I was going through high school. There was only... 10, 12, 13 years between us. So um, we kind of grew up together and he was studying to be a lawyer and I thought, that's what I want to be like him. I'm going to study to be a lawyer too. And also I thought that it was a really practical, serious, profound kind of profession, something that you could rely upon and, you know, you kind of had a knowledge and you kind of get in there and fight for what you believe in and there was a sort of sense of moral justice in it or something like that and I really and I was a good debater at school and so I thought I'd be a lawyer and um, I really liked the concept of being financially independent I never wanted to be in the situation my mother was in which was three kids and not a penny to her name and kind of stuck in a in a prison of a world that she didn't really want to be in so I thought I have to be financially independent lawyers make good money I like fighting or arguing (laughs) at that time. And then, um, so I get into law school, which was a big thing in Australia. Oh, you you got into it, good on you. And then I decide, um, well, I need to kind of, um, I need to get out of home and I need to make money. So a friend of mine suggested, I did lots of things. I worked in a pharmacy and I I worked in a bar and a friend of mine said to me, you should try modeling and I started that and, started earning money and loved the fact that I could actually be free. You know, I just want to be free. And then I had an opportunity to move to America. And so modeling was a job and then it became a... I'll give it a go. 
I give it I a get, go, I mate. I go, get out of Oz, 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 like when I was 18 and just sort of, my mum was really good about that too. She kind of encouraged me. Was it hard leaving Australia given that that was seven generations well, and here you were? I didn't know any different. Yeah. Like and you I, probably didn't I know you were leaving Australia. I didn't. Were... I had a return ticket and a couple of hundred bucks in my pocket and a bed, which I shared with somebody. I shared a bed for the first, like I don't even know. Like tops and tails. No, next to gosh, she had very long dreadlocks. I had nightmares about spiders for a very long time. <laughs> every time she'd turn over the dreadlocks ah! on my face. But um, yeah, so it was interesting. I thought I was going to be in America for a couple of months. Ended up being 40 years wow. um, away from Oz. Because wow. that was 1982. I graduated in 1981. I just got a high school reunion um, invitation. That's exciting. Yeah. In November, maybe I'll go. That'd be fun. <laughs> I think it's always fun. To, to go back. They might treat you differently now. Do you know, I've been to a couple of these things and in true Aussie form, most of my friends, some of my friends, go, what do you do again? Very Aussie. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You're living in America. Oh, yeah, yeah. You've got that business, that wellness business. Yeah. And they're doing their other thing, you know, they're doing their life. And so they're not into kind of um, the world that I'm in. And, you know, it's just, you know, they've got their kids and they've got their life and that's what's important to them. Things outside yourself are not that important in Australia. Okay, so you had the first, up until you were 30, you obviously had the sex, drug and rock and roll until aspects to your life. Until I was 40, yeah. Or to your 40, was yeah, it? Yeah, I, I went to rehab in four, when I was 40. Wow. Okay. So it was good almost 20 years. Two decades. Living living the high. Well, no, I I was married. I got married very early, like when I was. How old were you when you got I met my husband when I was 18. Wow. I got married when I was 21. Wow. And then. And how was that? Like the innocence and the the hope and all this came out? Or was it the security bit? Or was it just he was a wonderful human that you were just so drawn to? He was like, it was a Pygmalion story to some extent. What does Pygmalion mean? Sorry. So Henry Higgins and Pygmalion was a, um, so there was a, a little orphan girl and she had a kind of mentor who fell in love with her, a much older man. And he taught her how to speak and how to be like a lady. She wanted to be like a lady. So, um, and that was a bit my experience. I had come like this raw Aussie full of kind of vibrant Aussie girl. And I didn't know, I wanted an education. I wanted a global education. And he was a you know, really worldly. He was 21 years older than I was. He I still is. We still work together and we're still friends. And I learned about so much. I learned about art and music and literature and theatre and architecture and because he was extremely creative. And, and he could almost steer you through just, the world. Yeah, in a so the first 10 years I was kind of protected when girls were going out and doing the things, like they talk about the supermodel era. I was not a part of that because I was going to work, coming home, um, working on a magazine because he was art directing a magazine as well as taking photographs. So I was helping him do that and educating myself. And that's what I did for the first 10 years until I was about 30. And then I was like, okay, that's enough. i got to go and I have need some to go fun. Party. Yeah. And I, I had 10 rock and roll years. Living in, then, living in New York or where were you living? I was living in New York by that time. I moved to New York in 82 the 90s, I lived in New York. I moved to LA, I think, in about like um, 94, maybe. So, and then till 96, I made movies. And then oh, yeah. 97, and then I got pregnant, had a boy at 98. 
And here She's... I am with you two gorgeous guys. <laughs> it's, it's so much about fun. love and it's life. Lovely, it's and lovely it's hearing what stories, really though. I love stories. Like, it's great hearing stories. Like, it really is. Uh, like, stories. And hearing just about lives that, have been, that you've lived. And that, like, and it's even funny, like, how even like you telling stories of your past and the memories and you, how you can remember them almost like it was a separate life. Yeah. And almost being able to see you talk about it, you can see your face, you can see your mind going to different places yeah. and you're kind of going, wow, okay, that'd be interesting to hear more about that. Yeah. yeah, it's, well, it's an interesting, I'm writing a book at the moment. So I've actually, it's been such a beautiful experience. First of all, it's a wonderful discipline to get up every morning, except for when I'm away which is all this month but get up every morning and write so I write first thing in the morning and I just get these and I don't ever read what I've written so I just write like I go into meditation pen and paper write or laptop pen and paper. write no to, no oh, nothing electronic between my heart and my hand and so nothing in the morning no coffee no phone I don't touch my phone I sit at my desk in a quiet of the morning around five o'clock in the morning and I just write and I don't read it, reread it. And then I photograph what I've written and I send it to my editor. And um, they will kind of move it a little bit in, around in kind of, cause sometimes it's a train of thought and so they kind of move it into coherence. Jeez, that's and handy. Then, and then it comes back and I was like, did I write that? And I was like, yep. Wow, that was a good morning. <laughs> good morning's work. So it's been beautiful because I've been accessing, it's not the stories. I'm not so interested in the kind of, and then I did this, and then I did this, and you know, and then there was that period. And then I met this, and then it's the, the wisdoms through the experience that I'm really interested in. What did I learn from that experience? That little period there, that story there, like when the first time where I was asked to um, go to America, and I said no. And I said no because I didn't want to be taken for a fool. Like I thought, come on, really, as if I could go to America, model like that's a bit. And, you know, this is probably just some beauty pageant or, you know, they're just going to rip me off or I, I don't know what I told myself. S smart girls don't pursue a career in or a job in the beauty industry probably is what I thought to myself. But, you know, the weirdest thing is I said no. And I, as soon as I said no, I hung up the phone and I ran to the bathroom and I threw up. Wow. And that was the first experience I had of when I understood that I was going against myself. I was making a decision that was against my highest good. I had such a visceral kind of um, reaction. Re reaction to it. And then I thought to myself, I'm never going to do that again. Well, of course we do. But and like, did you call him back and say, actually, I'll go? No, I carried it around for months, like a deep sadness wow. um, that I just kind of let myself down. And then a few months later, somebody called again and said, do you want to come? Yes. And I was like, yep. Definitely. So, well, well, well that's, that's even a topic I'd love to talk about is intuition, because, you know, we live in a, a scientific era of where there's yeah. research and there's papers to validate everything. Mm. And you almost need a paper trail to validate why you're doing something. Absolutely. Yet there's the whole other side of the coin that we are. You know, we're very connected creatures, you know, in so many different aspects. We are 99% more bacterial than we are human in mm -hmm. a sense. So I'm just curious as to intuition and your thoughts and experiences mm. around that or do, and, and kind of moving more in that way, because it's almost like the contrast between heart and head. Absolutely. I think in a sense, um, is it is as important or if not more important than common sense, mm. in a sense that inner knowing, you know, that 
And it's like innocence, isn't it? Isn't that beautiful? Innocence. I'm going to use that in my book. There you go. Innocence, innocence. It's that connection that you have with the divine, with your divine knowing. And, um, and that has been my compass through most of my career because I didn't know. Like coming from Australia, I just didn't know. So I had to feel my way through experiences. I had to feel my, when I had decisions to make, I had to feel my way through because I just didn't know the answers. And um, I think it's extremely important. Look, the head's a great administrator. I consider the head like a computer, but you have to program the computer and you program the computer through the sensations that you get that come from your heart or from, you know, it's, some people call it the heart, some people say it's from your gut, some people say it's actually two fingers below your belly button. They can actually pinpoint that place that is your right. core where you get the sensation of a zing or a zong. So, um, and I often use that kind of thing, like when I, when I think about something, do I, do I get that feeling of like, oh, yeah, or do I get that feeling of, oh, no. <laughs> but often when you get the feeling of, oh, no, you do it anyway. Just to check it out, yeah. little um, experimentation. I like that. Who was it? Hell yeah! Who was it? Hell yeah! Who was it? Hell was saying that as oh, well yeah. yesterday. It was George was saying it about a hell yeah. yeah George hell was saying yeah. that about life. He was using it's the example that, yeah. that like you can live your life through a hell yeah. You don't do something that's lukewarm. Yeah. It's got to be a hell yeah. If it's not a hell yeah, it's like. And then it, you no, said it last not night. A hell too. yeah, it's a no. That's yeah. what Ben Greenfield did. I read a post on his the other day, and he said, like, if you're not getting a hell yeah, that's a no. But I wouldn't say it so much like that because I'm, I'm not that extreme in the sense that I feel that sometimes it's just pause. It's not a no, it's just maybe a not now. Yeah, yeah, it's very And true. so I feel like we need, well, I, I choose to be a little bit more, like I'm, I'm always listening for guidance. I'm always yeah. kind of attuned to the guidance that I have around. Yeah, uh, okay, can, can I, can I say something? Can I, one, one, just on the topic of hell yeah. Okay. I don't know if hell yeah is for me. I think hell yeah is me for loads of things, but I think there's various subtleties of life. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, in the middle, there's a, there's a tiny little hell yeah. Yeah, And, and yeah, if you can't tune into the subtleness, it can just feel like nothingness. But I think it's, yeah. I don't know, maybe there's various different awareness of the, of the hell yeah. I you agree hear. with you on that. I, I truly believe, like Rumi says, you can't see your reflection in running water. So that quiet. Nice. Oh, I like that. Oh, I love, I love that a, one too. You can't see your reflection in running water. I so really good. like that. As in, you got to slow down and be slow calm and then you see yourself and connect and understand. And so take you. that breath and take that moment. Whenever you reach a crossroads or whenever you're not sure about things, but you know, that's like that the conscious decision to breathe in, feel into the moment. And it's, it, so. and it's it's just it's not a voice really um it's a sensation it's like an it's a it's a desire because i think often people are in meditation they think they're going to hear a voice sometimes you do hear a voice but often it's just a sensation it's a it's a you know we're sentient beings but we get this kind of feeling of i just i i had it just recently i i woke up one day and said i'm going to austria and I, I kind of had made all these plans and I booked tickets and I packed my bags and I'm going to go from Ireland and I'm just going to Austria. And then it was like, wait a second, is that really what I need right now? And I kept going, yeah, but you know, they've offered you this place and you've made your tickets and it's easy and you've got the time. And my head's coming in trying to, you know, organize it all for me. 
But when I really slowed down, when I really took that time, and it only takes a minute, you know, it can take five minutes, two minutes, ten minutes. When I really slowed down, it was like, it's just not what I need right now. Just not now. Mm. And then once I'd made that decision, all that, you can feel that baggage just come off. I just felt free. So it can be in little decisions like that, or it can be in big decisions about, you know, if you're going to move or your home or, but I encourage people, I encourage my sons particularly to be tapping into that inner sense because it will never steer you astray. Mm. That inner knowing your heart will never, ever lead you astray. Love. And how do you get it? Like for, for anyone listening who goes, that sounds great. Yeah, I'm, I'm all in. Hell yeah, that sounds I'm great. Yeah. How does one, is it like, like, what does it mean to you to slow down? Like for me to slow down, it's like obviously breath, slowing, mm. consciously being down and obviously trying to, I like Rumi's suggestion of you can't see yourself in a moving river. So obviously it's to slow down and stillness and search mm. that. Some people though live a busy life and that mm. is hard to any Some people, I'd say most people. Many, me included. Yeah, yes. However, I'm just curious. Yeah, different strokes for different mm. folks. I know people that find great meditation in um, listening to music. So they might just listen to music and as they tune into the music, as they kind of let everything else kind of fade away and they really focus on the music, they'll get sort of downloads. They'll either have visions or they'll have ideas or they'll get a sensation of something that they need to do. So some people do that. Some people have walking, you know, walking meditations. They just walk and as they walk and they look at the plants along the way, they look at the stones on the ground, they see the dog barking, they kind of look at the clouds. They get, um, you know, you get sort of, could be that, could be slowing down. So I don't think you have to sit cross-legged mm. in front of an altar and do some Wim Hof breathing in order to reach, in a sense, or a source. Mm. It's, um, but I do believe that uh, doing one thing at a time, God, we're like, we get so proud of ourselves for multitasking and, you know, you can have a conversation, you're on your phone, you're cooking dinner, you're listening to music and you're, you know, you're doing all these different things and you feel really accomplished because you're doing so much, squeezing every moment, squeezing everything out of that minute that you've got, you know. It's when we actually slow down and focus on whatever it is we're doing, that yeah. there's a meditation in that too. Well, I think, sort of, I think life is a constant meditation as in, absolutely. you know, all, all this, the great spiritual teachers say life is now, it's only now. Mm. And the ultimate meditation is to try to actually be present mm. and constantly be present and realize, well, this is the only thing that's going on. Like, who knows if this afternoon is going to happen? Who, who knows? And it's like, yeah. going, okay, this is the moment. How do I get joy in this moment? Exactly. And not be selling it to the future. I, I think the more you can, you know, the way we live in a world where time is linear. And when you're multi or when I'm multitasking anyway, I'm trying to compress time and pack it all in. Yeah. But when I'm present, time suddenly goes deep. Yeah. Suddenly it feels longer and more rich. And Absolutely. More, like a minute can feel like an hour. Like, like yeah. the way you say, like the way you say when you go to Poland, like when Stephen goes to his, his family-in-law in, in rural Poland. Right. Like you say, uh, a day feels a day like. feels like a week. Yeah. There's just, there's, no, there's very little stimulus going on. So you're really present with where mm. you are and what you're doing. And it's like, time is deep. Like literally yeah. a day can feel like, as Justina says, well, normally people die around 80 and normally it's because they've had enough living. Like they're, they're, they've yeah. actually lived enough. It's like, I've done enough now. I, I think it's my time. You know, this type wow. of way. Wow. 
Can I take us on a journey? Yes, Tell Okay, us. this is a fun journey, which I'm curious yes. about now. Okay. So I love that expression. Uh, Jim Carrey, you know, he's right. got that expression. He says, I wish everyone could be famous and rich because then they'd realize that isn't the answer. Mm. And I'm always fascinated with the likes of like Russell Brand, who's tried on the as much sex as he can have, mm. as much money as he can make and fame and kind of mm. realizing that that isn't the, that isn't the answer. Mm. And we're all fumbling along on mm. this experience called life. And mm. many of us get caught up with it's getting Instagram likes. It's getting uh, a new car. Oh, when I get a new bike, if mm. I get a new girlfriend, if I get sex, then, and then mm. that's getting the answer. PhD. And I just wonder, you've, you've experienced lots of these extremes, as you've said. And I'm just mm. wondering, like, what are kind of things like that you try to share with your kids? Like you said about interconnectedness and following your intuition. Mm. And what are the things that you find like that give you meaning and purpose now within you know, and, and also the your, experience your, your, of your redefinition of success, like is, mm. what does it mean to you? Yeah, success is that delicious feeling when you get it. Okay, you, you have a task and you complete it. For me, that's a feeling of just, you know, like I have it, you know, I want to um, drink this cup of tea and I want to enjoy this cup of tea. And I actually do. For me, that's success today and even when I was at my most successful I didn't feel successful like I didn't feel achieved I think what I was trying like, was to it do almost like the imposter syndrome kind of going who am I to be here or what no like, I, I don't sorry to interrupt I didn't sorry. yeah I, it's that's a good question about the imposter syndrome it wasn't really that it was just being too busy to actually enjoy what I was doing and also not cognizant really of what I was doing and actually living outside myself. I mean, I was pretty much paid to be whatever you wanted me to be because that was my livelihood and I was really good at it and I still am really good at it. But in that, in that you know, in striving to be excellent in my job, it distanced me from the capacity to truly get to know myself. And so I think living in that kind of um, disassociation with who I truly am and what I'm expected to be, there's a huge gap in between. And I fell through that gap a lot. And it's very, very painful. And as I've matured, what I've come to understand is that the real joy in my life is actually this authentic way of being, which is what I think, what I feel, what I do are all aligned, that I'm becoming my real me, the person that I was born to be. Wow, that sounds so lofty. Blah. No, it's lovely. No, but it, but it, but it, it reminds me of that expression. Sorry for cutting you off there. No, okay. It was that Buddha has that expression. I, I don't know if it's Buddha now, so I could get it wrong. Some, mm. some, some wise and some smart, Someone who's much smarter than me said that expression that when your work and your life become more together, mm. there's a lot more symmetry. When there's a lot less, like, because a lot of us have work and we put yeah, on our work hat. And in your case, it was, you know, you were performing in some form and then you've got your life and there's not that much connection between them whereas the more your work and life become one then there's no mm. need for this work-life balance because That's you're kind of in alignment yeah. and in congruency well, and that seems what you're doing now well i didn't have work and life i just had work which was oh, okay. my life but there was no purpose so i think when we have a purpose when we live our life in purpose and and our work becomes part of our moving meditation becomes part of our purpose. That's where there's true joy. And that's where we get the feeling. You know, I always say to my boys, and you ask me what are some of the things that I share with them, find what you love and do it and do it really well. 
do it relentlessly because you'll never work another day in your life. And I made the mistake with my kids is, you know, I, I was um, telling my friend here the other day, I've got one kid who was brilliant in computers, dyslexic, and he found freedom in his comprehension of how to work a computer from a very early age. And I would take his computer and I would hide it and I would force him to play the drums and I would try to make him, you know, paint. And it was like, well, he's already good at computers. We want to evolve him into, you know, he's going to speak Spanish and, you know, Japanese or whatever I was thinking was going to round out his education. And I had a therapist actually say to me, encourage your children and what they're good at. Don't hide them under a bushel. That's their uniqueness. That's what they bring to the world. How dare you decide what you think that they should be bringing to the world? They have their own souls. And so encourage them at what they're good at. And I was like, oh, my God, here I was, thought I was a really good mother and I was expanding his interest. And, and then, you know, and this kid became like super confident because of his capacity way beyond anybody else. He was touch typing at four. You know, he was re that was his real thing. That was what he was good at. And he's used that expertise as a springboard for confidence um, that's really changed his life. Wow. That's yeah. Good. So we, I mean, we do our best as parents. We, it, it, in fact, you know, we learn how to parent ourselves at the same time we parent our kids. I think that's yeah. the joy in parenting. Yeah, there was a great one. Someone said to me recently, it was more about, well, they're ultimately teaching us, like they're rounding us out because by the time we very often have parents, certainly we had kids when we were in our thirties. And at that stage, you've got it's it. Us together, is it? No, we didn't have kids together separately. Sorry. <laughs> oh, good. Um, but we uh, like there was a strong sense of ego and who you are and whatever. And then you got kids and they kind of like, you know, you've got to really surrender to yes. the process because you're out in public and your kids are throwing Barneys and you're like, well, like I'm, I'm not meant, to, I'm meant to be someone else. I think I'm someone else. And yeah. but then cleaning nappies and all these things, they really do kind of make you go. I ain't any better than anyone. Who the hell am I to think I'm better than anyone? And I think yeah. the the capacity to learn from kids is... Amazing. Yeah. The opportunity to learn is there for all of us. Sometimes it's harder to learn than not. <laughs> I think they're our greatest teachers. Probably, yeah. yeah. But certainly. I mean, I never loved before my son was born. I thought I was like a really loving... I was like, I love, I love, I love this guy. I love this thing. I love, I love, I love, I love. When my children were born... I, it was like the first opportunity for me to experience unconditional love, which just didn't matter what they did. I didn't like them all the time. I didn't like their behavior. I didn't, you know, but I love them. Mm. I love them. I allowed them to be them because I believe love is allowance. Mm. Yeah, like you know? allowance would be a nice word. Love yeah. is allowance. I, mean, love was, is I remember chatting to you about this. It was yeah, we talked love is about allowance, it, didn't we? Like, as I was saying it about compassion. Love is accepting. You said acceptance. Acceptance, and, and you were and saying allowance. And I think allowance. with acceptance, the, the issue with acceptance for me is um, that's more like you're going to take on a bunch of stuff that you don't necessarily agree with. It implies more there's comfort. A yeah. There's yeah, a whiff of resentment in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to subconsciously. Yeah, a strong whiff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There is. Okay, yeah. with acceptance. Whereas allowances. Like, there's I'll a generosity in allowance, isn't there? It's like, you know, you do you. It's okay. I don't have to be around you while you do you. I'm going to do me. And me is, I don't want to be around you while you do you because that doesn't resonate with me right now. But you can go do it rather than you have to change because I'm uncomfortable around you when you're like that. Yeah, which a lot you of know, us are going through that. And that's just being very loving, you know, self-loving and loving of others. 
allowance yeah mm. i like that that's another, a nice one. another walking up from the beach today um ed was showing us his wide knowledge of flowers it was very impressive oh my god he's so impressive oh, very well impressive. done ed. impressive ed ed <laughs> sitting in the corner here uh, spiritual Ed and <laughs> sorry Ed we were doing great there and Ed, uh, Ed said the word sovereign and I was like well that's a clever word what does that mean because I've only heard it like you know sovereign about certain things and, and Ed described it beautifully like just so succinctly it was kind of like the alignment of head heart and actions and I thought it was like boom into your authentic self yeah. it was like Ed that was so wise uh, and, and you just spoke about it there and I wonder if we could talk briefly about that the sense of coming into alignment and I know it sounds cliche, but to be more truly ourselves, because mm. it's hard. Sometimes we have thoughts we're not good enough. Sometimes mm. you have thoughts this. Sometimes your actions are showing sheer confidence, but inside you're mm. you're you're quivering and you're fearful. Mm. So I wonder if we could talk about sovereign, because I've never really heard it being used in this context. And I would even add to that one, one thing I'd love to discuss with that is that uh, the role that faith and trust have within that. Yeah, because you know to be in alignment, like it's easy enough if you've got lots of money and if you've got a house, you're you probably. Or maybe it's more challenging then, but if you're if you're struggling to get food and struggling to find shelter, maybe it's harder to be in alignment. So I think trust and faith have a serious role to play in that. Yes. Wow, these are big subjects. And yes, yeah. agreed. I think trust is, and that's what I think my book is going to be called, Trust, uh, is the most important. So the most important thing. So trust that the universe is on your side. Trust mm. that you have Anything that's in front of you, you can handle because if it wasn't in front of you, you wouldn't be able to, I mean, it wouldn't be in front of you, you couldn't handle. Trust your inner sense. Trust, um, yeah, trust the universe is on your side. I, I think that, you know, we create, as we talked about, we went back to the beginning, we are the ultimate creators. We created everything that we experience. I know it's really hard for people to think that because they go, my life's shit, I didn't ask for this. I, you know, I, and, and it's particularly now because there's so many people struggling through COVID and, you know, whether they difficult getting income in, businesses have closed down, people have been sick, people have been in fear, kids have been struggling at school. I mean, there's been kids that have been born with, who've never seen a face. I was at the Baker's not long ago. It was just out of COVID. And this little girl came, I didn't wear a mask. I probably get trashed for that, but I didn't wear a mask. Everybody else had a mask on. And this little girl came up to me and she was looking at me like I was some sort of, I don't even know what, and I couldn't figure out why. And she kept wanting to talk to me. And it was because I was just the only person that she'd seen without a mask for a very long time. Mm. So I think that um, people have been really through the ringer these last few years. And um, there's been a lot of fear. And... Um, finding that trust in you know it just sounds so cliche oh yeah trust it's all going to work out trust it you know if it's it, it all works out in the end and if it's not the end if it hasn't worked out it's not the end it's all kind of glib statements when you're suffering and when you're struggling i encourage people when they're in that situation is to, to focus on what they truly want and put their energies into what they want and not what they don't want because it's so easy when we're in pain is to focus on the pain. And, of course, when you focus on the pain, that's what you get more of. Like your your creation goes where your attention flows. And Beautiful so line. You, you know, for me it's about like uh, consistently with discipline, with conscious um, uh, commitment to focus purely on what I want 
and withdraw my energies from what I don't want. And that's a simple creation mechan you know, mechanics. And uh, it's really interesting. I, I encourage you to try it because it's pretty miraculous and it happens really fast. Like this, you can create completely new circumstances for yourself by focusing on what you, what you love, what resonates with you, what makes your heart sing. And, and you get more of it. And do you kind of consciously, like, you know, the way what you're saying, I totally agree. And I found the exact same in my life. And I certainly consciously, when I hear myself giving out about things, it's like, no, am I so lucky to get such a rich experience? That's <laughs> like, um, but, but, uh, but like, do you, in terms of your own conscious, because yes, I mean, we're I talking about conversations with myself, I go, emotion. when my ego pops up, I go, aha, you thought you were going to get me on this one again. Well, I have other plans and mm -hmm. then I have to, you know, f and, and sometimes it's a thousand times a day. Yeah. It's not just, uh, you know, it's not just, oh, Flick a switch. I really, truly have to work at it at times. And I ha have come from the, um, the school of having had a quite a traumatic childhood that if I imagine the absolute worst that can happen and if I can get through it in my head, even though it has never happened, but I imagine the worst, so I, I test myself if I can get through it, right? But in doing so, I'm creating the very thing that I don't want in my life. So I've really had to be quite, you know, when I find my head going down, I'll just because I don't want to be surprised. I want to be prepared. I want to be able to cope. Like prepare for your, the worst. The almost. worst. So, yeah. I prepare for the worst. So when I catch myself doing that, I go, oh, there you go. You're doing that thing again. What's the most magical thing that could happen? Like what would be in your art world of dreams? What would you like to see happen? And then I focus on that. So it's like withdraw from what you don't want, focus on what you do want. It's quite simple. Hmm. But it's it just, just hard to do. Discipline. Like as you say, because often... Like many of us and me included have a monkey mind. It's a yes. bit like, it's like a wild beast that's just running through the woods down in the swamp and then it's up in the yeah. sunshine and then it's baking and oh no, it's still, the mud is caked on yeah. me. What do I do now? Through the bins. Yeah. And, and like by me saying that, as in sometimes it's wrought with fear, sometimes it's very present, some days mm. it's excited, some days it's, it's, mm. it's full of experiencing the full spectrum of emotion. So it can be challenging to sit there and just to focus on what we want. But I, like, I really get what you're saying and it makes a huge amount of sense. Like, how do you balance that out between being present, being trusting of the moment, and then trying to create, consciously creating the world that you want to experience? So how do you balance that yeah. out? Because it's quite... Well, I think you have to do it with a loose hand, right? So it's like, it's not, it's about being in the flow, I think, taking a light hand on it. When you catch yourself out, thinking about what you don't want, go, oh, there it is, I'm doing that thing again. And then you just focus on what it is that you, you know, what it, what brings you joy, whatever brings you joy, whether it's music, whether it's food, cooking, being with somebody, painting, writing poetry, eating, whatever it is, just go, oops. Psh. And so that's quite a light touch, mm. you know, and then be in the flow, have your experiences in life. And then when you get to a crossroad, check in, be quiet. Take a moment, pause, wait for a feeling to come up, um, to, to move one way or the other. It's, it's, I think when we kind of get our heads into it and think our heads are going to be able to find a solution and we've been conditioned to do that mm -hmm. um, and we've been entertained through social media and through, you know, it was, uh, it's quite difficult because we have a very small attention span. Yeah. I, uh, there was a lovely way I heard it described last week. It was about focus on what you want, 
not when you want it or how you want it. Exactly. Because that ain't you ain't in control of exactly. that. Exactly. Just That's keep so focusing perfect. on what Thank you want. Thank you. I needed to and hear thought, that today. Like you said, loose grip, which I think really is that. It's like, you know, what do you want? Like, what do you And, and I, I find it interesting that even in a, like a personal relationship, an intimate relationship, mm. it's a wonder way of reflecting it. Because mm. I'll often with my wife, Sabrina, we'll, we might have a disagreement mm. and... The old me, which is the kind of inner child, will kind of mm. go, oh, I didn't get what I want. And I'll mm. turn my back and I'll go, I'll show you. I'm not going to talk to you or be nice I'm to sleep you. sleep on the couch. Yeah, for like seven weeks. And then like <laughs> 10 minutes later, I'll catch myself and go, what do you want, David? What do you want? And I'll go, I just kind of want a hug and I want to feel connected. So I'll kind of go out and go, mm, want to be friends again? Go, I've always been your friend. Can I have a hug, please? Okay. <laughs> and then it's better. And I catch myself. I yeah. catch that. You saved right. yourself seven weeks in the case. No, that's yeah, only in no, my yeah. head. I'm only kind of joking. And that's a wonderful thing in in um, that letting go of the how and the the how and the when when. Yeah. So like if you and it's like, oh God, if I if you write down a list of okay, young girl wants, I want a boyfriend, and I want him to have this, and he's got a nice car, and he's going to have a good job, and he's going to, but but like if you really distill that down to, I want to be in a relationship with somebody who loves me and I love them, you know? And then however that form that takes, you know, so I want to be being overly specific. Yeah. And it, it could even be a dog. Like, you know, you know, I want to be yeah. in a relationship with someone who I love. That, like, you know, the way that, yeah, you know, I want, I want loving consciousness so, in my so life. So it's to be broad enough. Like, it's not like, mm. it's, it's, that's one thing that I'm, you know, trying to square off my own head. So it's like, say, for example, right now we're looking for a house, a kind of, and a dream family house. And I'm kind of like, okay, there's one that I you're know. For a house, you're looking for a home. A home. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. A home, a dwelling, a dwelling, but a dwelling like that can hold the love of my family. Mm. Um, and that's a beautiful, that, that's all, that's, that's the, that's the thing. I'm looking for a dwelling that can hold the love of my family. Basta, put it out into the universe. And not even go like there's one that we're to go see in a, in a week or two. And it's, it's a beautiful home. And in my head, I'm going, okay, hear what I'll say now. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, so should I now start focusing on that one particular home and like really consciously create that home? And thinking it's about the rooms and the configuration of the rooms and the like, color do, of the Do room. I get lost in that? But no. then part of me is like, well, if that isn't meant to be, then then do I experience disappointment? Like, how do you, how do you balance mm. that out? Is it more you focus on the bigger things and the emotional bit that, yes. and like in my heart, I'm like, I trust, you know, uh, we'll be given the home that we're meant to take. And I mean, exactly. given as in we're going to pay for it, hopefully yeah, and get a loan and a mortgage apparent. and do all the bits that we're meant to do. Yeah. But it'll show up in the right time. Yeah. Well, I think whatever you put your energy in, if you, if the only thing that you're interested in is the color of the paint outside and the configuration of the rooms, that's what you'll get. You'll manifest that right? At the right price under the right conditions. But really, and I, I'm a big home um, and I've had to go from like, I want, you know, X amount of square feet and it has to be in this area and I want to, you know, a gym and I want a playroom for the kids. And, you know, and I've got all this kind of, now it's like, I want a home that is the kind of energy when everybody walks in says, oh my God, I'm so happy to be here, including my children you know, that my children want to come home to because they feel the energy in the house. I want a home that is, that I have land around that I can grow vegetables if I want. That's the only, about the only specific part. You know, I want there to be some land to house ratio so that I've got a good amount of nature around. So I have community with nature. And then I just let it go and just say, so universe, show me the next right step. And I promise I'll, I'll respond. Yeah, I like, I like I, the that makes a lot more sense to me than this specific one of like, I want this particular home, like, because possibly I'm getting more greedy and getting into like, I'm going to consciously create the home that I want. And it's yeah, very much yeah, I, as opposed to the other one is coming from a point of like, I trust. Yeah. 
And our minds are so small, like all the biggest joys, think about it, the things that have surprised you the most in life, you could never have conceived. Like they're bigger than us. Mm. It's way bigger than us. If we just allow the universe to create, co-create with the universe and just say, okay, I'm in loving consciousness, I'm in trust, I'm in flow. Now, I say all this, sounds really like whatever now. I'm also nearly 60 and I've spent a lot of my life in huge material as you know material wealth fame fortune pedestaled you know racked with drugs and alcohol death divorce you know i mean i've been through everything and i have not always had this attitude and actually the most pain in my life is when i've been hanging on to the things that i thought would make me happy without truly kind of recognizing where my true joy is and the things that, and back, the, like the things that you thought made you happy, where you're probably your reputation and your, or what were they? Um, the false gods. Well, I think oh, financial security has always been a big one for me. Cause, but in a way that I transmuted that into freedom. And that's what I really love is freedom. Freedom to be me, freedom to choose, freedom to travel, freedom to make you know, to, to explore, to be creative. I mean, it's such a joy. Um, and I think before I didn't understand that what I truly wanted was freedom. So I would just like make money and buy things. And, you know, and I, I didn't experience the freedom because I was so busy making the money to buy the things that I thought I wanted. And I didn't dig deeper to realize what I truly want was freedom. And freedom to you, like from what I'm understanding, it's like being having a much better relationship with yourself, being more in alignment of where, you know, doing work, which gives you meaning and mm. purpose and, mm. you know, surrounding yourself with people. That and feeling more sovereign. Sovereign. Oh, yeah. listen to that. Oh, yeah. Good being, use of your new word. Being sovereign. Um, being. I also think having a business that is a, a connected to a higher purpose, you know, purpose greater than yourself. When, when did you start Welco? I started Welco. Um, so for, for those of you that are listening that don't know, I, I have a supplements business, plant-based supplements business that um, I formed as a, as a result of my own wellness journey, actually, because when I turned, so this is 2014, when I turned 50, I started to feel like all the stuff that I'd been doing before wasn't working for me. And I couldn't understand. And I'd go to doctors and they'd just say, yeah, well, you're 50. And I'm like, no, this, this is not, this is not, you know, this, there's something more to this. So I did quite a bit of research and I found this amazing naturopath in Harley Street in London. I like that she was on Harley Street because at this point I was still, had had some experience in um, alternative medicine and, you know, chiropractic and cranial sacral and acupuncture. And I knew that plants can heal the body. I knew the body has the capacity to heal if given the right environment, but I didn't really kind of understand my own body because I'd been sort of taught about like calories in, calories out and cardio. You know, I grew up in the eighties. It was, you were still, you were doing Jane Fonda. So it was fitness. It wasn't really wellness. And so I went to see this doctor. I was trying to do all these things. And I said, look, I, I, I don't understand. I'm taking all these vitamins and I'm living this life and I'm doing all this and I'm not, you know, like, and I, and I'm so strong, you know, I only sleep three hours a night and I'm working so wow. hard. And she was like, okay, first of all, all these vitamins you're taking are synthetic. So your body's not 
absorbing them because they don't recognize them. So you can chuck all those out and they're costing you a fortune. And the next thing is, you know, you're in, your body's inflamed, your cortisol's are over the roof, you're sugar addicted, you're sleep deprived and you're malnourished. Right? Wow. And I'm like, what? You know, I'm like the body. I, you know, I can't have any of those things and what's all that? I didn't even know what inflammation meant. Anyhow, I started to understand that you know, stress can cause inflammation in the body. Inflammation raises cortisol. Cortisol, you put on weight. Your skin, it, it changes your skin tone, your hair, the way you, your moods. And she put me on um, a bunch of organic supplements that I was taking three times a day. And within three weeks to a month, everything turned around. Like mm. I felt different. I slept, started sleeping more. And she gave me a sleep protocol and, you know, I was drinking more water and I started to eat differently. And, you know, so I had lifestyle tweaks. They were not huge changes, but they were tweaks. But those tweaks made an enormous amount of change. And then I was so excited because I thought, if I'm feeling this, if I've experienced this and I have the resources to find the best doctor, how must other people be feeling? They must be really struggling. And I wanted to share with other people other women particularly, what I had learned. So I said to this doctor, I said, listen, the only problem I've got is taking all these capsules every day. Do you think you can kind of like put all those things together in one powder and I can just sort of take it in the morning? And she was, she was like, actually, I think I can do that. And so there was born the Super Elixir, which is 52 ingredients, vitamins, minerals, probiotics, prebiotics, adaptogens in this green nutrient-dense powder and um, you take two scoops in the morning and it's like you're one and done supporting and done, all, like that, like. all your 11 systems of the body. So it started with that one product and then we expanded into protein, clean, lean protein because I was finding it hard to find good protein on the road and sleep tea, medicinal sleep tea. And then we have boosts of capsules for certain things that you need like um PMS or menopause is a big thing at the moment, hair loss, skin, collagen. I'm looking at beautiful mind because I feel that so many people are struggling with their mental well-being at the moment. So it's just been, you know, and it's attached. My my motivation is, is about helping people become the best version of themselves because when they feel well within, they're capable of well-doing in their life. So it's just, you know, and it's, the world becomes a better place. So it's, it's a really, um, and of course, you look more beautiful. And who doesn't want to look more beautiful? <laughs> and it's good, Welco is, and people can it's find it online. Welco, welco.com, W-E-L-L-E, like my name, C-O. Oh, that's a good one. Welco.com. I didn't even get that, yeah. the E-L-L-E in the middle of it. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that's oh, it. that's very clever. Mm. Jeez, I missed that completely. Well, that's a, well now you remember. Oh, that's a, that's a great name. Can, can well, I talk about like reconnecting to the land? Because this is something yes. that where we, we first met you, it was with mm. Zach Bush was talking and I was amazed to see that you were in with this, this circle of incredible people that were like, just, I felt like it was the Avengers of like yes. wanting to like change the food system. And mm. we managed to like almost scab tickets at the end. Mm. Well, we heard, 
we heard it was an event and I knew who was running. It was like, oh, we got to go Zach. We know Zach. Yeah. Zach's our buddy. I want to go see Zach talk. Yeah. And I messaged Zach and then Zach got back to us and he said, oh, great. Yeah, yeah. And then messaged someone else and we came along. But it was amazing. And I was amazed to see just how comfortable you were and how yeah. like an equal you were in terms of food and connection to the earth and biodiversity and regenerative farming. Mm. And I wonder if we could talk about how, yeah. how, how you've stumbled into this and what it means to you and... Well, that's a good story because it started off with Wellco. So what I found was that I was like saying to my nutritionist, but you know, like if I just have a good diet, why do I need supplements? She said, because the soils are so poor in mineral content today. We used to let this, we used to, you know, modern farming is now that we just farm single crops, you know, monocrops, but, in, we, but we used to farm for seven years and let the soil rest for seven years. And then all the nutrients would come back in. And we, we also did this kind of regenerative farming was really what we used to do. And so the food that is grown today has zero nutrients. And that's why, you know, all those people that say, oh, yeah, you don't need supplements. You can get it from your food. Not true. Unless you're growing the way you guys are, you know, there's such a beautiful conscious community around understanding that the microbiome of the soil and the microbiome of the gut are also interrelated but a really consciously growing food that has is full of nutrients um, because the soil is full of nutrients. And so that was my entry into understanding. I mean, my, my dream would be to put myself out of business to some extent, um, not without making a lot of money along the way, but <laughs> thank you universe. But no, I would like to, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to see us not needing supplementation in our diets, but at this point we do. Um, so that's, that was it. And then I just started being interested in, um, the land and the connection that we have with nature and being Australian, um, I was telling this to a friend the other day, you know, I grew up where beauty was never talked about unless it was talked about as it relates to the land or to landscape, you know, the waves are beautiful down at Bondi for a surf. Oh, that sunset was so beautiful. Oh, God, did you see the blue of the eucalyptus trees this morning? You know, did you hear those beautiful cicadas out? That's how we talked about beauty. And so this reverence for the land, me being seven generations Australian, and having that kind of understanding that the land is our, well, the Aborigines believe that our land is God, you know, land is spirit. So, you know, I just finding these beautiful souls in my life and listening to them and growing with them has been a source of great joy. You're brilliant. Inc including you guys. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I totally, I think reconnecting to the land is, is at the heart of all mm, of us. And, and you guys are doing such an amazing job with it. I mean, just being in your energy here and seeing, I believe this whole community is created around you guys. I mean, it's phenomenal. It's so high vibe high vibration, you know, and, and I do think that our frequency of humanity is, is rising, but it takes conscious people to be putting that loving energy into everything that they're doing the way you guys are doing. It. And it starts with the food, the soil and the food we put in our bodies. And that affects how we behave. Oh, totally. It's phenomenal. Why is honey? I mean, you know, a lot of vegans say that honey is not, um, a vegan food, but you know, bees are so high vibration. Their work that they do is so high vibration that their wings, they actually levitate. They don't use their wings to fly. 
they're like they're too sm- they don't really work they actually levitate their wings kind of kind of are like uh like um rudders <laughs> and that's what you guys are doing you're like you know you're raising Be- you're like <laughs> levitating you're raising the vibration of this I've whole never community seen, i've never seen steve levitate <laughs> I'm working on it. Working on it. Yeah, one day. he probably is. Only when he's eating too many beans. probably is. That was good. But I think soil is something that, as a society, we, you know, if you think traditionally, like where would we, when we were nomadic, we'd settle at areas where the soil was good because it meant we could grow good crops, which means mm. we could be more affluent in terms of the food we fed ourselves, and it was an easier life. Mm. And modern day society has become so detached from the soil, even. When I'd say it to someone like that economic prosperity is linked to soil biodiversity, people go, no, like economic prosperity is based on the technology companies you have around you and the employment and the jobs. But, you know, there was it was a book that I was reading called The Third Plate, where he spoke of research where they did in the mid Midwest of the US, where they linked um, education economic prosperity to soil biodiversity and mm. as as kind of the great what do they call it the great dust bowl. the dust bowl as the dust bowl area happened a lot of the topsoil um blew away or whatever disappeared mm. and with that economic prosperity declined yeah. almost with matching alignment and similarly mm. education and the degree of mm. education and so much of modern day society we forget about the soil and how it affects us and almost like the soil microbiome affects our microbiome, which affects our, our ability to, to look at life differently. And I know for many people listening, they go, that sounds crazy. It sounds crazy, but I do think like we talked about connection and we talked about intuition and we talked about feeling in alignment and all those type of things. And I really think the soil has such a massive part Absolutely. to play that if we're, you know, spending, and this sounds weird because we do spend lots of time on laptops and phones and still, but the more I spend time in the soil, the more it probably enhances. In soil? Uh, like not like swimming in soil, but like, you know, vegetables and I playing with the, you know, not playing in with connection vegetables. with nature. Yeah. yeah, in connection with nature and spending time outside and probably getting involved with our food, like growing our food and going yeah. up and cutting. Even, the, even in And also in, absorbing sorry. it. I mean, Zach is the, he always says, you know, how, when was the last time you actually touched the tomato that you eat? You picked it from the tree, you know, you, mm. that microbiome of that tomato goes into your microbiome. That's how you absorb the nutrients as well. It's not just, you know, cooking it over a flame and, and ingesting it. So we get that biodiversity within our bodies through touching the soil, you know, and so growing our own food, which is what you guys do, which is why you're so happy, I'm mm. sure. Part <laughs> <laughs> of the reason. Uh, one, one final thing I'd love to just talk about is like you mentioned that for a part of your life you were on a pedestal. Mm. And I just love to, you know, many of us seek this fame, this notoriety, mm. this to be above the pulpit, to be mm. admired, to be revered. What was mm. it like in the height of it to be up there in a pedestal and to be called the body and to be revered for this <laughs> this physical, like almost like divinity? It was like, oh my God, was this there a What was it like actually <gasps> feeling it, the internal? But did you feel like, oh my God, I feel like a divine being or did you feel like, I just feel afraid? Oh, it's easy or, to fall off. Yeah. Let me put you that, tell you that. But I am... Um, so the body came about, uh, I didn't even know about it. Time magazine put me on the cover in about 1986 and it says, it said L, oh, it said the body, L McPherson. And it was really interesting because I didn't know it was coming out and everybody was raving about this thing. And I just sort of thought that's a bit weird because usually when somebody's going to put you on a magazine, you you have actually sat for them. You know that's going to happen. They'll do an interview with you. But they had just decided that they were going to do this thing. And I think the whole conversation was around this new wave of Amazonian kind of strength and 
the, the return to kind of a natural beauty and I, don't, I can't even remember what the article was about, but I remember when I saw the thing, everyone said to me, oh my God, that's so degrading. Like, how do you feel about that? I was like, called up my lawyer and I was like, can, can we, uh, can we um, trademark that? And <laughs> I was like, what? I said, yeah, can we trademark that, that, that thing, that, that, the body? And he goes, yeah, let me go and see. So we trademarked it. And then over the years I dipped into it and I built businesses around it. And so for me, it was just a beautiful gift. I just thought, oh, that's a really good business opportunity. And, um, and there was a, while, a time when I was younger that I would be a little bit more defensive and I would say, you know, but, you know, in the body there's a mind and there's a heart and there's a soul. And so how cool because they're recognizing all of me. And that was like my version of kind of um, putting a spin on it that was something other than it was. But the reality was it was a fantastic opportunity for business and how beautiful that I managed to put my kids through school for that one in combination with other things, but that, you know, magazine cover that I was able to get that idea, I'll trademark it and then do make some businesses out of it along the way. So it was just a very fortuitous moment. But then again, listen to intuition. Something inside me said. And it was weird because, like, I didn't have the experience to know what a trademark was. Like, I, I didn't even know the words. I was, I, I'd actually think I'd even said to my whoever was advising me at the time, can, you know, can we make that ours? And they're like, oh, trademark. I was like, yeah, yeah, that thing that you do. So, so that was, that was interesting. And now the pedestal part. So let's talk about sustainability a little bit. And for me, part of this um, desire to be well comes from wanting to be sustainable, like to have a sustainable career. Like I want to be able to work for a long time. I want to be able to be free and I want to, I want the benefits that working in this particular industry can have. And in order to do that, I have to be strong. I have to be vibrant. I have to have something going on inside me that is more than just the outside, because as you get closer to these later years, it's not really about the way you look, it's the energy that you have. And I want to be sustainable, right? I, I, within myself. So the way to do it is through wellness. But in the beginning, when I was at the peak of my career in the 80s and the 90s in the supermodel era, the difference between the influences today and the supermodel era was that we were put on a pedestal. The bigger the distance between us and our public, the more successful we were considered. Like the more elite. Yeah, the, the more, more untouchable you were, the more successful you were. The higher your fee was, the more successful you were, but even people, even if people couldn't pay it, but you could say I earned blah, blah, blah per day, you were considered successful, right? So distance from your public made you really successful. Today, the closer you can be, the more raw and natural and approachable you can be, the more successful you're going to be. Look at the Kardashians. They're like, you know, on your television every day, super accessible. Um, and they're out and about and they're, you know, those kind of things like that. So it's been interesting to see how that change. And if you can adapt to not having to be this pedestal princess and to be able to be accessible, then there is a sort of um, longevity in your career. And many of the girls that were brought up in the 80s and 90s couldn't make that transition. And it was hard for them. 
you know, if you fall off. And if you're pedestaled in your business, then you expect to be pedestaled in your private life as well. And that's not a balanced relationship. Mm. So been interesting times. Yeah, um, what a trip. I yeah. could listen to all the stories. They're really good. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I really enjoy it. I really enjoyed like talking philosophy, spirituality, conscious creation, and hear your story. Your life is so rich and diverse. It's Thank beautiful. You. Yeah, it really is. Thank You're you. a great ambassador for women and for men, for human, but it's great to have these leading voices, voices in women because men dominate, you know, mm. a lot of the noise. I think leading into nurturing, leaning into nurturing, leading into listening, leading into co-creation, leading into um, cooperation, communication, which are all those beautiful feminine qualities, as uh, has been my personal growth. Mm. Um, and that's been a very interesting journey when you consider that the job that I've had is, it doesn't, is none of that. It's the antithesis of it. You know, so it's been it's uh, I've it's been a journey for me to become uh, this to be totally. It's interesting. A friend of mine said to me the other day, he said, "You know, it's remarkable. You go from the body to being embodied. It's that embodiment, and that's what's so exciting today is embodying spirit values, the divine feminine." And, you know, that's where, we, that's where we are today. And we're all doing it in our own ways, mm. you know. And do you feel it almost went from like when you were in like the body phase that it was more ma like there was a, you know, it was a masculine, more male dominated world then more masculine dominated world. And then since then you've more had to move into your feminine, more feminine mm. qualities and kind of nourish them. Yeah, that was part of the journey. It was part of the journey. But don't forget the fashion industry is an industry that's made by women for women mm. and run by women. So it actually is quite a, you know, it was like the first woman's lobbyist business, really, because, you know, women became empowered by being women, like curvy, sexy, beautiful women. Right. You actually, you, you know, that's that's your livelihood. Um, so there's but gender and feminine qualities are two different things. So what I've learned is that my the masculine within me wants to produce, it wants to structure, it wants, you know, um, results, it wants, you know, I've got to support my family, which I've always done. And the feminine part of myself now is the inspiration, is the receiving, you know, where am I getting my inspiration? What is it that I truly want to do? Who do I want to be? How do I co-create? How do I cooperate? How do I communicate? So. You know, it's just, it's that beautiful dance. Um, and it, and that's the personal journey that we can all go on. You know, that moving from head to heart is such a beautiful, rich, you know, life-expanding journey. And we can all do it every day, little bit by little bit, you know. Lovely. I think we've come full circle. Yeah. yeah great. 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 Beautiful. Anyone who wants to learn more, so there's wellco.com. Yeah, wellco.com. It's all there. So you can find W-E-L-L-E. And then go at the end. All one word. And you're on Instagram. And we are, you know, we have, we're an online business. We have 30% of our business in Australia, 30% in Europe and 30% in America. Good diversification. Yeah, nice. 80%. Uh, online 20% in store 
wow. if you want a tangible. I don't know where we sell in Ireland. I don't think we do. We, we were at Brown Thomas for a while, perhaps before COVID, but uh, in the beauty department, um, which is very unusual to have supplements in the beauty department, but I really wanted to position this the, these products as being, you know, your key to unlocking your inner beauty. Brilliant. And, uh, you know, we always say beauty is soul deep, not skin deep. So there you go. Nourish oh, the soul. Cool. I love that. Thanks, Al. You're brilliant. Love Thank that you. conversation. You're Thank you, guys. That was such an inspiring conversation. It felt so soulful. Like, maybe you can't feel it in the room, but sitting in the room with Al and having that conversation just felt like tingly and shiny and magical. And it was like pink fairy dust in the air. I'm really, if you're going through something hard at the moment, like really, I hope you got something from this because Elle certainly changed her life around when she hit 40 and, you know, really turned the whole thing around. So no matter what you're going through, you know, grit in there, life changes and you can really change it on a dime today, really. Um, and today's so the best way to, to make any sort of change. And it was such an honour we got to spend two or three days with Elle and really connected and just what a wonderful lady. Yeah, really, really so shiny and radiant and uh, such a wonderful role model for all of us. So, yeah. Do check her out. You'll find her on Instagram and her products are all on Welco. Really wonderful products there. So do check them out. And, and if you ever want to come join us for a swim, we swim in the sea at sunrise at the Cove in Greystones every day of the year, unless we're away. Yeah, at sunrise. So yeah, thanks for your attention. Really, really appreciate it. And um, yeah, wishing you a wonderful moment, day, life, year, and uh, all of that. Cheers. Bye. 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 Bye.